With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Give honor to God and all the saints. Thanking God for the privilege of prayer. Thanking God for the land of the living. Thanking God for the opportunity to come together with my sisters and uh, brothers that, that may be listening. And we come together to give you all the praise, all the honor, God, to say, God, we love you. We adore you. We we exalt you, Heavenly Father. We magnify your holy name. We appreciate all you've done, all you're going to do, Lord. God, we thank you for revelation, for letting us get a better understanding to why certain things happened we, that we did not understand. Thank you, God, that we didn't lose our faith. Thank you, God, that when you know that you know that you know, when you have an encounter with God, you know that you know that you know that the devil is a liar and there's nothing that can break your faith. God, actually, we lost already. My mother, Macy's mother, my sister, father, whoever, um, and so many of the TIs that we lost, God, we actually have them rest in peace. Heavenly Father, don't let their life be in vain. Let this program be exposed, this eugenics assassination program. Let their suffering be acknowledged and apologized to in the atmosphere. Let this earth be able to say, I'm sorry for putting somebody through, put these people through. God, let these crimes not replicate themselves. Heavenly Father, break up the curse the demon coronavirus demon, the drosophilia demon, the induced breathlessness demon, in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is against those curses. We send those curses back to the pit of hell that they came from. The blood of Jesus is against those demons. We send, we man, decree, command those demons back to the abyss where they came from and to never come on this earth again. God, actually for a hedge of protection over each and every one of us the blood of jesus on our doorpost every plot of the enemy to mess with people breathing to spray things through the air to try to choke people we send it back to the pit of hell we ask you god for divine intervention break up the plan of the enemy we ask you god for a special protection over our babies our children god you cover them you know these demons want them they're voiceless heavenly father we have to speak for the children Everything they're doing to adults, they've been doing to children for years. God, cover our babies. Give us the voice for them, Lord. Let us stand for our children. We bind up every wrongful operation, every eugenic assassination, every torture, everything they've done to the children wrong, the abortion, every bit of things, the experimentation that they've done, the blood of Jesus is against every voiceless population. God, we our senior citizens, we pray over them, cover them, Heavenly Father. God, put somebody there that can help them, Heavenly Father. Don't let them be voiceless after they worked all their lives, especially human rights advocates, God. Cover them. Send them an extra covering, Lord, an extra blessing, somebody that cares and loves from them from their heart. Watch over our seniors, Heavenly Father. Cover them with the blood of Jesus. Let these, let send your guardian angels as caretakers to over them against 
and particularly against these eugenicists. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can speak for uh, against these crimes. We thank you, God, for the ability to be here, to live out the destiny that you created us for. We give you all the praise, God. We give you the glory. We ask you, God, to let your light shine through us, Heavenly Father. Let us do the work that you would have us do. Let us have a spirit of humility and, and pre preparedness to do what you would have us to do, Lord. Bless this lesson tonight, Lord, as we delve into the encounters with God require faith. The topic encounters with God require faith. It's not optional. If you're going to have an encounter with God, it is required to faith. And then we're going to look at also the crises of belief. The crises of belief. Those are our topics for tonight. Our prayer for justice is grant us, Lord God, a vision of your world as your love would have it. A world where the weak are protected and none go hungry or poor. A world where different races and cultures live in harmony and mutual respect. A world where peace is built with justice and justice is guided by love. Lord, we stand on every historical miracle recorded, your work and your word. We declare boldly that we shall not die before we complete the destiny you have for us. We shall live to declare the works of God. No violent man or woman shall shed our blood. Our blood is precious and protected in the sight of God. We give you, God, all the honor and praise. We stand on Ephesians 5.11, which states, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, but rather expose them. God, we thank you. We praise you. God, I ask you for a special covering over my sister, Macy. God, direct Macy, Heavenly Father. Let her recognize, Heavenly Father, that faith without works is dead. She's in a dangerous situation, God. Faith without works is dead. She has to do something, God. Guide her. Lead her. Don't let her sit there as no victim in the name of Jesus. I bind and rebuke that victim spirit. I bind that demon that's coming after her, that's threatening her, that's humiliating her, that's torturing her. That demon spirit, that drunkard, that the woman that uh, that lives there, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask you for divine intervention to step in and back that woman up and let Macy get a bat or whatever is necessary to protect herself and not play stupid. Let her cover herself, Heavenly Father. Let her use that brain that you gave her, Heavenly Father, to, to, to protect the life you gave her against these people. Don't let the devil use nobody drunk. In the name of Jesus, we bind that demon intoxication spirit in that home and that woman. In the name of Jesus, we send it back to the pit of hell. We call the authority in Macy that God gave her. We will not allow demons to be used to take out our people or to threaten our people. We do not take it lightly. I bind, rebuke, and I send back to the pit of hell every demon associated with that Lisa drunkard over there. In the name of Jesus, cover my sister Macy from head to toe. Put the blood post of Jesus Christ, blood on her door, Sue. Let that woman just back up. 
in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, in advance. And I thank you, God, for taking Mojita's son out that hospital. I thank you, God, for all you've done for him. I thank you, God, for recovery. I thank you, God, that that young man is doing better. God, I ask you to bless my nephews. I call Haru Scott blessed. I call Elijah Scott blessed. God, cover them from every demonic entity from this program. Watch over them, Heavenly Father. I plead the blood of Jesus over their lives. I decree and declare Satan can't have them. I thank you, God, for the brain you've given them to make right decisions, that they will walk with you, Heavenly Father, that you will guide them and you'll cover them, Heavenly Father, bring them into the kingdom of God. I decree and declare that they will be men of God in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, go ahead. Amen. Go ahead. Macy, you want to pray? Macy, yeah. you want to pray? I don't know. Let, okay. let, um, let me pray if I can at the end. I'm just very disturbed. I'm very disturbed and frightened. But I, I am I'm I am good in God. I mean I'm strong, but I am just well, don't be sitting there like no victim, Macy. Just make sure, you know, with all that praying, you got to do what you got to do. If you got to have to have a bat or a stick, you're dealing with a drunkard, that's not an easy... Don't please, don't be stupid. It's very, she gets drunk, you know. I have I have to leave, but I I don't have any, any means of doing that at all. I, well, I'm not talking about okay, me. I, won't, I, won't, no, I won't take our time. Medium, I won't. I won't take the prayer's time for this. You can okay. talk about well, while it. While you're there, the you, have, you can do something near you. All right, go ahead. Uh, Wahida, could you pray, please, darling, and pray for Macy, too? Uh, Hi, Macy. Sorry. You know Hello, what happened, Macy? Macy? Pardon me? Yeah, you gave me your number. I put it in my text. I put it in my phone, you know, your number. Now, when I go back on your name, no number, it disappears. So I oh, didn't they, get a text. Oh. Uh, they, they, they have erased it, probably. They were yeah, yeah, the same yeah, time Henry. Uh -huh. Yeah, there are times people tell me when they talk to me, they get more um, irradiated or, you know, abused. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to, you know, so I'm um, go on your name to text you my number, but then yeah, I couldn't find your number. You want me to give you now or after the prayer? Not yeah, on the tape. Not on the tape. Not on the tape. And you, I, right. what you want not me to just text tape, you right. Right. Yeah, okay. You want me to text you right. now? Or Miriam can text me it. Miriam, you have it, right? You can text me it. Yeah. I will text it to you. Yeah, and then I'll um, text her. Yeah, Heavenly Father, okay. I give you praise. I give you thanks. I honor you. I cherish you. I believe in you. I know that you're the one God of the universe. I bless you. I love you. Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father God, I give you praise. I thank you for life, for me, my children, my family, my mother, P.I.s, Miriam, Macy. Oh, Father, thank you so much for life. You know what we go, we are going through. Please save us, Father. Please continue to save us and shield us from these weapons that farms against us. Send back the weapons to the rightful owners, Father. Please, Father, it's too much. Please destroy this coronavirus. Please save people's lives, especially the old people that are there staying you know, is more affected by it, Father. I heard young people, young kids, 20 and, and stuff, are in the hospital with this virus today. So mm-hmm. Please put a stop to it, Father. This looks like something really bad is going to happen, and only you can stop it, because everything, the whole place is disrupted, you know, everybody's job and school and and everything, Father. Please put a stop to these these satanic followers that are arming us to these weapons, these five G, these these radiation, these directed energy weapons, Father. It's unbelievable what they can do with these things, Father. And I'm feeling it. I'm going through it. Miriam, Macy, your Father. Help me see. I don't know what the situation is. I just heard Miriam talking, and I figure out something bad is happening. Please help her take her out of this situation safe and let her have peace in her life, Father. Please, Father, help me continue to save my son. Please don't make him have to go back into the hospital, Father. Heal him completely. Heal my other son to work at the hospital. And I see him is coming home and tired and stuff. Please heal him, guide him, keep him safe. The virus is there and he works there. So please, Father, keep him safe. Help my two daughters too, Father. Help me. Please let us be safe in our home. Let us have shelter, food, clothing, all the things too, Father. Please. Continue to help us, Father, and please destroy this virus. Please destroy whatever is going on. For, you know, use the God of the universe, and please put a stop to it, Father. I love you. In your holy name, amen. 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 The crisis of belief, first of all, of scripture, what it, without faith, this is critical to understand. Without faith, let me get to this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11, 6. We have to stand on this, that God rewards he, this program has to be destroyed because the word of God says God rewards 
those who honestly speak it. Those who earnestly seek him. The crises of belief, a faith budget for our church. I'm reading from Knowing and Doing the Will of God, Experiencing God, Henry and Richard Black Blackaby, Claude and Claude King. And this is a faith budget for their church. Let's see what they say. One year, the members of our finance committee said, Pastor, you have taught us to walk by faith in every area in the life of our church except the budget. I asked them to explain. They said, we developed the budget on the basis of what we believe we can do. It does not reflect what we expect God to do and that we expect God to do anything. Then how do you feel we ought to produce the budget, I asked. They said, first, we ought to determine all it wants to do through us in the coming year. Second, we need to estimate what will cost. Then we need to divide the budget revenue into three categories. What we plan to do through our own giving, what others have promised to do to help us, and what we must depend on God to do. As a church, we prayed and decided God wanted us to use this approach to budgeting. We did not try to dream our own dreams for God. We had to be absolutely sure God was leading us to do the things we put in the budget. Then when we listed what that would cost, we estimated what we thought our people would give and what others, the mission board, partnership churches, had said they would give the difference between what we could reasonably expect to receive and the total was what we asked God to provide. The big question was, what would our operating budget be? By faith, we adopted the grand total as our operating budget. At this point, we reached a crisis of belief. Did we really believe in God who had led us to do these things that he would really provide the resources to bring them to pass? Anytime God leads you to do something that has God-sized dimensions, you will face a crisis of belief. Wow. That means when God has something for you to do, he'll tell you it. But there's going to be a- It's one o'clock. It's going to be a crisis of belief. There's something that's going to happen to challenge your belief. At that point, what you do next reveals what you believe about God. That year, we set our budget at more than twice the amount we would normally have planned. Yet at year end, God had exceeded even that amount by providing us with revenue we could not have anticipated. God taught our church a lesson in faith that radically changed us all. A turning point when God tells me, when God tells us what he wants to do through us, we will face a crisis of belief. I think the murder of my mother was the crisis of my belief because God told me I was on this journey. To, to, God wants the eugenics movement exposed and stopped. And when God tells you that he wants what he wants you to do, what he wants to do through you, you will face a crisis of belief. 
So the way you live your life is a testimony of what you believe about God. And I thank God that I had to just swallow. My mother was murdered. It hurt my heart. It hurt my soul. The hospital killed my mother. That hurt me so bad. But I had to keep on. I had to do what she taught me her whole life. I had to keep worshiping God. How does someone worship God and then the hospital kills them? And I had to understand that sometimes a loving God will allow evil for the benefit of humanity. And I believe my mother, and I know my mother, her life was wrongfully taken by that hospital on behalf of the benefit of humanity on behalf of stopping hospital murders, it, had, it was done to bring exposure, to bring exposure and to bring a stoppage. God will bring those things to come to pass. All right, a turning point. This unit, this unit focuses on a major turning point in following God's will. When God invites you to join him in his work, he has a God-sized assignment for you. Now, if you're a TI, you know that. This assignment here, this is a God-sized assignment, being a TI. You will quickly realize you cannot do what he is asking on your own. Yes, we know that. You ain't nobody stopping. No TI pro program without the Most High God. If God doesn't help you, you will fail. This is the crisis of belief when you must decide whether to believe God for what he wants to do through you. At this point, many people decide not to follow what they sense God is leading them to do because it looks the, the, the assignment looks too difficult. You know how many people, if they didn't have to be a T.I., they wouldn't be? And it may be God's willing will for you to be a T.I. There's a purpose, there's a reason. Then they wonder why they do not experience God's presence and activity the way other Christians do. Let's review to see the relationship between the crises of belief and what you have or what we've already studied. The word crises comes from a Greek word that means decision or judgment. A crisis of belief is not a calamity. It's not a calamity in your life, but it's a turning point where you must make a decision. You must decide what you truly believe about God. Mm. Mm. Mm -mm. Boy, this is just what I went through when my mother, ooh. The way you respond at this turning point will determine whether you become involved with God in something God-sized that only he can do or whether you will continue to go your own way and miss your assignment and miss what he has pur purpose for your life. Mm -hmm. This is not a one-time experience. It is a regular occurrence. The way you live your life is a testimony of what you believe about God. In a sense, every one of these choices 
excuse me. In each case, we have to decide what we believe about God. The greatest crisis came, however, when we decided to operate on the grand total rather than what we knew we could do. Operating on our projected revenue would not require much faith. We were sure we could do this, but opening on a budget, he's talking about his church um, when they said they, they set up a budget, a certain, they broke the budget up and they set a part for us. They said, God's going to bring this part in. God had told us to do, to do that, but operating on a budget, incorporating everything God had told us to do required faith. We would not see any way to get that much money unless God provided it. Do you see the turning point, the crisis of belief? We could have decided on the lesser amount, met our budget, and never knew anything more about God. People in the community watching our church would have seen merely what people do. They would not have seen God at work. Another crisis of belief came in the middle of our church's building program. We had a unique opportunity to buy a building on Main Street uh, for use as a church building for our mission. Our mission pastor talked with the owner who said he bought this for 15,000 and we put 7,000 into it, but we would sell this building to you. They said they would sell the building for 15,000. He asked us for 9,000 down and said he would give us a loan of 6,000. No, I think I read this last week, right, okay. And uh, he said he would give us two weeks to pay, so they had to come up with 9,000. The bottom line is he decided to give it to them at a lesser amount. If we had looked at what we had in the bank, we would have proceeded, not at all. If We could not have proceeded because we didn't have it. If we had looked at all of the circumstances, we would, have, we would not have moved forward. But what we believed about God determined what we, would, what we did. When God tells you, hmm, what he wants to do through you, you will face a crisis of belief. What you do next reveals what you believe. When God tells you what he wants to do through you, you will face a crisis of belief. Wow. And I can definitely say what happened with my mom was definitely a crisis of belief. Let's take a look here at encounters with God require faith. Why, Miriam, why do you say that uh, your mom's case was a crisis of uh, belief? Because it my mother served up. No, for me, it was a crisis of belief. Because, well, I mean, well, it was just, it was a crisis yeah. of, a crisis. Wait, let me explain. A crisis of belief is when your belief system, you know, is being challenged. Like, how can you, because that's how the, the devil try to mess with us in your head. How are you going to continue to pray and love God and, and your mother was just murdered and she served God all her life? 
that was a crisis of belief. I had to work past that. I had to know that if God allowed that to happen, then there's a reason. And in God's time, I was going to find out the reason. That was a crisis of my belief. And had I not continued reading the Bible, taking Bible classes to understand what was going on, I would miss my, my blessing, my calling. Those, in other words, a crisis of belief is sometimes sent to, to the, the devil's really trying to challenge you. He's trying to get you off course. You have to know to stay steadfast. You may not understand everything, but you have to know that you know that you know that God is real and that he is in control. And at some point in time, I knew I would get a, an answer for what happened to my mother. So that was a crisis of belief. Not to say that I went agnostic or to say I would have gone agnostic. No, that's not what they're saying, that you're going to change your religion. You know, you're going to leave Christianity and then you now you're Muslim or, 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 or agnostic or something because of, a, no, a, no. That's just saying that, um, you know, in your walk, in your Christian walk, it's normal to have the crises of belief. Mm -hmm. And that means sometimes to not, crises of belief, it just means to have your faith a little shattered, like, you know, wondering. But, but you, you know, you pick it back up, you keep reading God's word and, and you read the stories and the, and the miracles and, and, you know, and you, you get grounded back in the word of God and you pick, you pick, you pick your pieces up and you let the devil know he's a liar. He, he, he's not going to fool you. So that's what, that's what I meant by talking about a crisis of belief. And, um, that's what they, uh, the reading here of uh, the crises of belief was talking about, um, you know, they said that they had always done a budget, you know, based on, okay, this is the amount of money for this. This is, a, it was a crisis of belief when they said, no, we're going to break the budget up and we're going to leave a section to just be filled by God. We're going to put in the budget, what the people give the church. That's one section. Um, what the inside people put, what the outside people put, and then in a separate section, what God put. That was something new for them. That was a crisis of belief. That was taking a chance. And then they, you know, they found out that that section they left for God to put the money in the budget, it was more full than the, the two other uh, sides. Okay. So let's take a look. Encounters with God require faith, which we know. If you're going to have an encounter with God, you, if you're a TIU in this program, you're having an encounter with God. Faith is confidence that what God has promised or said will come to pass, it will. When God speaks, your response requires faith. Throughout scripture, when God revealed himself, his purposes and his ways, the response to him required faith. Faith is confidence that what God promised or said will come to pass. Sight is the opposite of faith. 
If you can clearly see how something can be accomplished, more than likely faith is not required. Remember the illustration about the church budget. If we had chosen to operate on what we knew would come in, then faith would not have been necessary. Faith was believing that God who called us to the assignments was the one who would provide for their accomplishment. Your faith does not rest on a concept or an idea. Faith must be a person. God himself, faith is not drawing up a grandiose idea and then asking God to make it come to pass. If you or someone else decides something would be good to do and then leads people to believe or have faith, you are in a dangerous position. Faith is valid only in God in what he says he is proposing to do. If what you want to happen is from you and not from God, you must depend on your own resources to bring it to pass. Before you call yourself, your family, or your church to exercise faith, be sure you have heard a word from God. With only mustard seed faith in God, anything is possible. Jesus said his followers would do greater things than he had done. Our faith, however, must be based on God's power and not on human wisdom. Without firm faith, you will stumble and fall. Faith is about something only God can do. Now, if you know about this TI program, only God can handle this. Because this is a high, this is a high level of unimaginable evil, torture, raping, just pure criminal insanity. Something only God can do. That's when faith is in place. Moses could not deliver the children of Israel from Pharaoh's army or cross the Red Sea on dry land, produce water from a rock, or provide bread and meat for food. Moses had to have faith that the God who called him would do that. He said he would do what he said he would do. Joshua could not take the Israelites across the Jordan River on dry land, bring them down wallied cities, defeat enemies, make the sun stand still. Only God could accomplish these things. Joshua had to have faith in God. In the New Testament, this was also true for the disciples. On their own, they could not feed the multitudes, heal the sick, calm a storm, or raise the dead. Only God could do these things, but God calls servants to let him do these things through them. When God lets you know what he wants to do through you, it will be something only he can do. What you believe about him will determine what you do next. If you have faith in God who called you, you will obey him and he will bring it to pass what he proposed to do. If you lack faith, you will not do what he asks. You will not do what he asks. That 
is disobedience. Jesus asked those around him, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Luke 6, 46. He frequently rebuked his disciples for their unbelief. Their lack of faith revealed they did not know who he was. Thus, they did not know what he could do. Faith, excuse me, faith is valid only in God and in what he says he is purporting to do. Faith was required by, of Moses and the disciples. When God calls a person to join him in a God-sized task, faith is always required. Obedience indicates faith in God. Disobedience often reveals a lack of faith. Without faith, a person cannot please God. Without faith, a church cannot please God. We face the same crisis Bible characters dealt with. When God speaks, what he acts of us requires faith. A major problem, however, is self-centeredness. We assume we have to accomplish the assignment in our own strength and with our current resources. We think, I can't do that, that's impossible. We forget that when God speaks, he always reveals what he is going to do, not what he wants us to do for him. We join God so he can do his work through us. We don't have to be able to accomplish the task with our limited ability or resources. With faith, we can confidently proceed to obey God because we know that God is going to bring it to pass what he proposes. Jesus indicated that what is impossible with man mm, is possible with God. Mark 10, 27. The scriptures continually bear witness that this is true. The church, the author pastored, it sensed we needed God to use us to, to reach people for Christ throughout the province. The province contained more than 200 cities, towns, and villages. This meant we would have to start new churches. To do that, we felt God was leading us to call a pastor to become minister of our mission outreach. We would equip the church to start churches. For 14 years, the pastor pastored small churches. He was committed to the Lord then he worked as a at a service station attending for 14 years in order to pastor by, by vocationally. Without a part-time pastor, these churches would have had no pastor at all. In the same time, him and his wife Ruth had saved some money, hoping one day that they could have enough money to buy their own home. When he left, when the pastor left, absolutely convinced he ought to come help start churches, he said, we have no money to move, to move you and no money to pay you. That's what the people told him. He said, that's okay. He said, God who has called me will help me. We will take the money from our savings and we will move. Mm. Later, Len, they called him Len, he came into the office and said, my wife and I prayed and talked all night. We have worked 
bivocationally for 14 years and we have no problem working to provide for my family, but the need here is so great and God's direction is so clear. I believe I need to work full time. My wife and I realized last night that the $7,000 we have in the bank is God's and he wants us to use that for our living expenses. When we've exhausted that, he will show us what to do next. So Henry, don't worry about my support. When Len left the room, I fell on my face and I wept before the Lord. I said, Father, I don't understand why such a faithful couple must make this kind of sacrifice. I saw in Len and Ruth a great faith that was demonstrated by their actions. Two days later, I received a letter from a Presbyterian layman in British Columbia. It simply said, I understand a man named Len Costa has come to work with you. God has laid it on my heart to help support his ministry and close, find a check for $7,000 to be used for his support. When I opened that letter, I got back on my knees and I wept before the father again. This time I asked God to forgive me for not trusting him when he said, he told me I could. I called Len and I said, Len, you have placed your life savings on the altar of sacrifice, but God has something else in the bushes. The God who says I am your provider has just provided. Then I told him the news. Do you know what that did in Len's life? Can you imagine what it did in our church's life? We all grew in our faith to believe God. After that, we stepped out in faith time and time again, and we saw God do amazing things. We never could have experienced God that way if we had not stepped out in faith to call Len. That experience helped us learn how to trust God. When you encounter God, it will bring a crisis of belief. The crises will require faith. Without faith, you will not be able to please God. And that's why that scripture says without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God is interested in the world's coming to in the world's coming to know him. Mm. And remember that the encounters with God, they are God's size. When you have an encounter with God, it is not regarding some little uh, you know some little incident. It is a major, it is a major, it's a God-sized uh, encounter. Any questions? Anybody still here? Yes. Wahida, did I lose Hello? you? Oh, okay. No. Okay, what do you, what do you have to say about that? experiencing God and it's impossible to please God without faith and that God um, when God use us it's not for us to do what we want we have to do what he tells us to do what do you think of that You, you read from the Bible? Yes. Uh, yes, a Bible study book. 
And from Hebrew, Hebrews 11, 6. That's Hebrews. The, the word of God, that's the Bible. Yes, faith without works is dead. And, and um, it's impossible to please God without faith. You think you can please God without faith? Not really. No, this is what the whole thing is. It's about walking by faith. And if you can see something and, and it, that's not faith, we're living this. That's why we know God is in this. Anybody look at us say, girl, you ain't, he, they, they've been, they've been killing people. They've been you doing eugenics, girl, for years. Ain't nothing going to change. We walking by faith that we serve the God of the impossible. And this is not just a, a Miriam assignment that you came along, Macy came along, all the TIs came along to say, wait a minute, what is this? We're all walking by faith. Yeah. If we could just go to court and get this program shut down, then that's not walking by faith. The court's well, we not walking. To... We're depending on God to use people to destroy that program. That's faith. We don't even know who the people are. We're walking by faith. Faith is when you can't see, but you believe. I feel something bad is happening, you know, with what this virus, what they're doing. I think it's going to get better. I would highly recommend, though, to people, um, I would highly recommend, and I'm, I'm looking for one myself, a breathing mask. I do think that they're about to try and kill as many people by spraying. You should see they got they got the groceries. The psychological programming is is tremendous. They got the groceries now. To me, if a virus is on the way, what does that have to do with a grocery store not being able to get their their products? Okay, the the non essential workers are still working. You you just transport the products. They it's a site. They they got grocery stores looking like they empty. Unless this is just part of a master plan to kill, to make people sick. They can't even make sure they don't Miriam, have huh? Miriam, they make you stand in the line, long lines for groceries. You go in there, you don't find things on the shelf mostly. And then there are as many people as you used to go and they are just there. I don't understand this. I really, I really need someone to explain this. What's the use of keeping people on the street like a, a half a block and make them wait and then you let them in? And there are the same number of people that you, uh, I always go there and I see them there. We can just, uh, you know, everybody is next to each other, right next to each other. But they have when to I, in line. It doesn't make sense at all. 
And no matter where yeah. you go, especially for us, you know, if they don't want you to have something, it's very easy not to have it available and blame it for, on uh, on this situation. Oh it's my just, God! You know, when I go to this, sense. when I go to the store, something uh-huh. it's not a lot of people. I went out yesterday. You know, and I go into these dollar store, these ninety-nine cent store and stuff. I was walking with a photo card. You know, and um. It wouldn't be people in there, and then you would see one group of them rushed in, and they pretend they're looking at stuff, and then they they have their phones out, pointing their phones at me, you know, I guess to get my picture to zap me, whatever. This thing is crazy. This thing is out of control. They have everybody that wants to work for them, like working for them, you know, for minimum wage or something. This thing is out of control. And these people don't care. They need the money. They don't care what they do to you. You know? Yeah. By the time I get home yesterday, I was feeling so sick. My throat was like burning. I I, I feel like I'm I'm, uh, wheezing. It's like stuff in the air, you know? Crazy. Stuff in the air that you're breathing. Try and get a mask. Not not one of them paper masks either. An oxygen mask. I got to try and find. I went online. I couldn't believe it. They're all sold out, even Amazon. Yes, they don't have. So I think we should listen to this, David. I didn't yeah. get this long. I'm going to play it right now. Minutes. All right, I'm going to play it right Maybe now. Maybe you should listen. Let me yeah, see. yeah, everybody Take say it. Take from the, but I just, um, the, the recording, though. No, no, I want, it, cut it I want it on the recording. I want the tape on the recording. Okay. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs. Sharing our vulnerability. Overcoming our fears. Transforming ourselves so we can transform the world. How far can we go? This is London Real. I am Brian Rose. My guest today is. This is London Real. I am Brian Rose. My guest today is David Icke, the English writer and public speaker known since the 1990s as a professional conspiracy theorist, calling yourself a full-time investigator into who and what is really controlling the world. You're the author of over 21 books and 10 DVDs and have lectured in over 25 countries, speaking live for up to 10 hours to huge audiences filling stadiums like Wembley Arena. You're here today to talk about the coronavirus pandemic, the worldwide COVID-19 lockdown, and the looming global economic recession. David, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Great to have you here. A lot of people out there with a lot of questions. There's a lot of confusion. This is a crazy time. Uh, I wanted to start off and just say a few things as far as where we are. It's March 18th, 2020 right now. I want to throw some of my views out there, and then I want to hear your views, okay. and I want to have a good discussion about this, right. and also talk about the numbers we know so far. Um, so first of all, just as far as my beliefs, 
I personally don't believe the coronavirus was created by a third party. I do think it occurred naturally. I do believe in the science, and I do believe in vaccines. I'm sure we're going to talk about this. Um, I do plan on getting my flu vaccine and any future coronaviruses vaccines. Oh, I don't so like him. Talk me out of it. We'll see. Um, I know. And now obeying the orders of the government, I'm complying with their requests for information and behavior. We're going to see what happens with that. Uh, that being said, I do believe at this point that the virus can no longer be controlled in the Western world. And as a healthy 40-something-year-old male, I'm prepared to get it right now, and I don't believe it's going to kill me. We just shook hands. Um, over the long term, I do think 70 to 80% of the population is going to get it and hopefully become immune to it. Um, but also, I understand due to the safety of the elderly, I know we're going to talk about that, and those with lower immune systems and respiratory problems, I understand and I agree with this policy of social distancing in order to flatten the curve and not to overwhelm our medical system. Finally, I just want to say I think we believe we now live in a post-coronavirus world where the virus is going to be along for a long period of time and it's going to change our behavior. Let me hit you with some stats and then we can jump into this. As of today, March 18th, there are 208,221 reported cases worldwide and 8,272 confirmed deaths. Countries like China with 81,000 cases, about 3,200 deaths. Italy, 31,000 cases, 2,500 deaths. Iran, 16,000 cases, 988 deaths. As we go down to Spain, 13,000 cases, 533 deaths. And then down into the USA with 6,500 cases and 116 reported deaths. And here in the UK, 1950 cases and 71 deaths. Stock markets in America are down well over 25% since their highs and a global recession is all but certain. Federal Reserve has cut rates to nearly zero. The U.S. has approved a trillion-dollar stimulus package. The U.K. a 330 billion pound stimulus package. Many industries at risk. Aerospace, travel companies, entertainment, events, retail outlets, the list goes on and on and on. I hear through my sources we should expect military troops here in London in the next couple days on the streets. David, there's an ancient Chinese expression that says, may you live in interesting times. Some say it's a curse. What do you see in the world? What are you concerned about? And do you feel for the British citizens and global citizens? Right. Well, maybe if I just put some background in place and then we can take it uh, from there. For 30 years, I've been warning people in my books and in every other way I can that this world is controlled by a cult. It's a cult that has no borders. It operates in all the at least major countries, and in, in fact, all the countries in the end, and particular in those countries that dictate the direction of the world. So the cult will be at the core of the system in China. It will be at the core of the system in America, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so what have I said in this 30 years that this cult wants? I've said, and we, I've said it in the chats we've had before, it wants to create a beyond Orwellian global state in which um, a tiny few people dictate to everyone else. I've referred to this as the Hunger Games Society. And you can picture the structure very clearly. Picture a pyramid. At the top of the pyramid, you've got a tiny few enormously wealthy people that actually are um, connected to this cult. We now have a name for them. 
we call them the 1%. At the bottom of this pyramid in the Hunger Games society is basically the rest of humanity that is dependent upon the 1%. And in between the two is a vicious, merciless police military state to impose the will of the 1% on the population and to prevent the population challenging the 1%. And this Hunger Games society is not classic fascism, it's not classic communism, although the outcome in terms of tyranny is the same. It is a technocracy. A technocracy is defined as a society that is uh, controlled by bureaucrats, experts, scientists, engineers, technocrats. And the ability of that situation to, um, to happen is through smart technology and AI. The idea is that everything will be connected to AI. This is what the Internet of Things is all about. And if you um, listen to the crazies in Silicon Valley, they're telling you that in the period around 2030, a, a year that keeps coming up from all directions, um, we will have a situation where the human brain will start to be connected to AI. And thus, whoever con uh, controls AI will be connecting uh, um, will be connecting and uh, driving the perceptions of humanity. And that can be done from a central point through this smart grid, global smart grid. So that's the structure that they want. They also want a society completely cashless, where everything is digital money, a single one, one world currency, which will be run through this smart grid. Now, in the same 30 years, I've been saying there are two major techniques that are being used to bring about that situation. One, I've called since the 1990s, problem, reaction, solution, where you covertly create a problem. You um, use the unquestioning, pathetic mainstream media to tell the public the version of the problem you want them to believe. And you're looking at stage two, the reaction for fear, that's the currency of control, outrage, whatever the problem is, and either a demand from the public that something must be done, or at least an acceptance from the public that things need to change because of the problem. And at that point, those who created the problem got that reaction openly in changes in society offer the solutions to the problems they have themselves covertly created. And those changes, step by step, take us further and further to that Hunger Games society. There's another version, uh, which I call no problem reaction solution, where you don't need a real uh, problem. You just uh, need the perception of one, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and you still have the ability to um, provide your society changing solution. The stable mate of problem reaction solution is what I call the totalitarian tiptoe, where you start at A and you know you're going to Z, but you know if you go in too big a leap, 
people will look up from the game show and the latest Simon Cowell and say, what's going on? What's going on? Because the change is so great. So you do it in as big a steps as you can towards your outcome, but not so fast or big that you alert too many people to the fact that it's a pattern. What you want people to believe is everything is random. And I have this other phrase which relates to all this. Know the outcome and you'll see the journey. If you don't know where this world is being taken by this cult, then everything seems random. Coronavirus, random. Um, climate change, random. Uh, economic crash, random. But when you know where we're being taken, you know the outcome, this hunger game structured society, now the apparently random events become clear stepping stones to that outcome. Now, let's take all of that and apply it to the coronavirus and what's happening now and let people decide for themselves if they think that the fact that the coronavirus hysteria ticks every single box of that outcome, that goal, whether that's a coincidence. I absolutely do not believe that it is. And, you know, you mentioned that um, you don't think that it was a created virus. Um, but, but the fact is, whether it was or whether it wasn't doesn't matter to the fact that once you, you roll this out, it takes on a momentum of its own. I agree with that. And therefore, um, what is unfolding was desperately predictable. And in fact, we'll get into this as we chat, two massive 1% organizations, one in fact six weeks before this uh, virus came to light in um, China, were playing out scenarios and simulations based on exactly this scenario that's unfolding now. And what they said would happen is exactly what is happening, down to the fine um, detail. Okay, but the coronavirus but, is real and it is dangerous. You do believe that? Um, well, n not as a black and white, no. Okay, but it is real? Um, the, obviously, there is a strain of this coronavirus, because there are many coronaviruses, um, which appears to be different. Um, but if you um, look in terms of the danger, the danger is to a certain section of society. Do you know, um, mainstream doctors, I watched an interview with one in America uh, only two or three days ago, and they're saying, well, just to put into context, 80% of people that are diagnosed with coronavirus have, and this is his quote, very mild symptoms. The ones that are in danger, and by the way, in danger from any virus, including uh, uh, the, uh, the classic flu, are those that have compromised immune systems. And they are old people, elderly people, and they are people with what is termed pre-existing health problems. Why? The pre-existing health problems are putting so much pressure on the immune system, it's already weak when it's hit with this. This is why someone like that will um, have uh, uh, potentially a serious situation, 
and someone with an immune system uh, in working order of any level will just swat it away. And another point, you know, have we not learned yet to take what the authorities tell us with a pinch of salt until it's proved otherwise? Do you know, um, there was a, a lady called Dr. Deborah Blix. She's the White House coronavirus coordinator. She said in a press conference two days ago that 96% plus of those who have been tested for coronavirus in uh, South Korea were negative. And she said, and our testing results in America show about the same. And so when you um, uh, are in, in, a, in a massive way, you are um, diagnosing on the basis of symptoms. How the hell do you know they've got this coronavirus strain and, and, and not something else? Me, me and my son, Gareth, um, well before Christmas, both went down with, with very, very rarely ill. That's why we remember it. We both went down with this, uh, with this illness. And now as I read the symptoms of this coronavirus strain, we had word for word, point by point, every single symptom. And that means one of two things. It means either this coronavirus strain was going around in Britain then before it had even emerged out of China, or far more likely, we got something else with exactly the same symptoms. So I would um, hold back on believing the figures. And I would also- um, Those figures I mentioned, are you unsure about those? I, I, I question any figures coming out of mainstream authority. I've been investigating uh, the mainstream everything for 30 years. And, you know, most of the time, if they ever told the truth, they would genetically implode from the shock. So I question everything. And if it stands up, it stands up. But I don't just take it because someone in a suit has told me to believe it. For instance, you know, um, in uh, 2017, 2018, 45 million people got the flu in America, according to Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention figures. 61,000 died. Um, where was the hysteria then? 61,000 people died. Well, they, they say that this is more dangerous and more contagious and what's potentially going to kill more people. Because well, otherwise, that's a good question, David. Everyone's <laughs> like, well, how come people aren't worried about this when the flu from 18 yeah. killed 50,000? This has only killed... 8,000. The, the point is, though, the, this is the point, that according to officialdom, 80% of people who get the coronavirus diagnose the coronavirus, and not necessarily orthotic, um, have very mild symptoms. The vast majority of the rest have what they call moderate symptoms, and that leaves um, some with um, uh, compromised and weakened immune systems who get the serious end of it. And they get the serious end of the flu as well and, 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 and other um, uh, viruses. And these people are clogging up the Italian health system well, right now. The, Do you believe the, that's true? The point is that what we, what we surely should be doing is focusing on those people 
and doing doing what is necessary to uh, protect them and their immune systems uh, from uh, the consequences. But to have um, the vast majority of the population who at most will have mild symptoms, some even no symptoms. I mean, I remember this story. One of the first uh, Scottish people to get the virus was interviewed on a BBC local radio station. And he said, well, uh, you know, I, I had a bit of a mild uh, um, uh, fever. Well, what's that? That's the immune system using heat to kill the predator. Just perfectly immune system response. So anyway, um, he says, and um, so I, I got checked out. They said I got coronavirus. And they said, you've got to go to hospital. He said, but I, I felt all right. I had a, bit, you know, a few aches and stuff, but I'll feel all right. He says, so I'll go to hospital. He said, but by the time I get to hospital, he said the symptoms are gone. And he's gone down as a statistic, coronavirus in, in, the, in the numbers. So when you've got people who are getting that, on a, even if they do get it, on a vast scale uh, in terms of percentage who, who, who have that response, you get a, a, an even greater number who, who, who don't get it. And for that, you destroy, because that's what's happening before our eyes, Brian, you destroy the world economic system. Now, let's go back to how I started. One of the things I've been pointing out as a problem reaction solution uh, that was coming to, to, to uh, transform human society, including, by the way, one of the things I said was coming in my earlier books was a pandemic um, because of all the boxes it ticks. But what I've been saying for years is they are planning an enormous economic crash and I've been saying it even more since 2008 because 2008 seemed a bit of uh, be a nightmare the point I'm making is what they want is something that would make 2008 look like you know a, 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 a Sunday school tea party and so um, this coronavirus hysteria gives the um, the excuse to do what they're doing and the outcome and the consequences of what they're doing is to dismantle the world economic system. Mm. Now, another thing I've been saying, this Hunger Games society, I've been saying this for a long time, is designed to have no small business, no even medium-sized business globally, just gigantic corporations that control and produce everything. Amazon is a classic example of what I'm talking about. Wow, Amazon. What this coronavirus um, hysteria is creating is a situation unfolding by the hour worldwide that is destroying small business, family business, even medium-sized business, some even relatively big businesses too. It's destroying them. The, the, the big legacy of what is happening now will not be to do with health long-term, economic. It's, cat, it's going to be catastrophic. Now, now, here's the point. What happens to those people whose businesses collapse? What happens to all those people who were working for those businesses, for bars, for, for, for hotels, for 
Um, all these uh, businesses that have been targeted, don't go there, shut down. What happens to them? They fall into the bottom of the Hunger Games society. And, and, and what we're seeing now every day is this Hunger Games society coming closer and closer and closer because of what's being done in the name of protecting the people. I got news for you. You go deep enough into this system, they don't give a shit about the people. We are being asked to believe now that this system cares about old people. We must protect the old people. We must destroy the world economy to protect the old people. Oh, these would be the old people, would they, that have paid in their entire life through taxation and other means, and at the end, in their final years, they get handed a pittance of a pension which gives them the choice between being warm or being hungry. And what does that do? When people are going without essential things because the system doesn't care and, and, and uh, they, they're having to buy shite food because that's all they can afford. They, they can't have nutrients to um, boost their immune systems because they can't afford them and the mainstream everything's not telling them they need them anyway. And at the same time, they're breathing in shit air drinking toxic water and other drinks, being deluged with sugar, which has a phenomenally destructive impact on the immune system. All this is going on. We're living in a, uh, an electromagnetic, technologically generated soup of um, radiation toxicity. And this system has allowed that to happen, has allowed corporations to do that. Uh, and now, having done all that, that's devastated the lives and the immune systems of old people. We are being asked to believe that the system cares about the health of the elderly. It doesn't give a shit. I'm not talking about the nurses. I'm not talking about the doctors. I'm talking about that at the core, which is driving this. And, and the, the, the idea that all these things are being done to protect the elderly, they don't give a shit about the elderly. The elderly are an excuse to impose the very society that I'm talking about. Now, if you look at when these things happen and, and great uh, Orwellian draconian things are put in place. Oh, we've got to do this because of the problem. Well, the problem eventually passes. This virus will eventually flatten out. But what you see every time, 9 11 is a classic, they'll roll back some of it, but not nearly roll back to where it was before. The whole thing's moved on closer to the Hunger Games Society. Another thing you're going to see, oh, and by the way, I mentioned that um, a, a great goal of this, uh, and I've been saying this, my, when did I first write this? About 1993. They want a, a cashless society, a digital cashless society, one world currency, 
which has phenomenal um, implications for freedom. You want rid of cash. And when I said that, there was lots of cash in circulation. People were going, end of cash. Now look at it. And you know, what was it this guy, Ted Ross, the head of the World Health Organization, a man I wouldn't trust to tell me the time in a room full of clocks, by the way. Um, he said, don't touch cash. Use cards because the virus can pass on through cash. I've come up here today for this chat three times in places that are always cash. I had cash turned down. And, and when this when this runs on, they're going to be justifying a cashless society on the basis of this not this um, that you can pass viruses on through it, um, and uh, they're going to be saying we can't have this again. We 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 can't have this happen again. So you're going to have more technological testing of people for whether they have all this stuff. The whole surveillance is going to move on exactly as it has in China. Right. If, if people thought China had, had reached the point of beyond Orwellian, well, you just look what they brought in as a result of this coronavirus. Okay. I they, want to talk about that technology because it's a very good point. But what Now, Italy right now, we're looking at Italy, and from what we can see and hear, the hospitals are chock full of people that are dying. There's not enough respirators, et cetera. I mean, surely we must do something about this, David. I know what you're saying is that these things will pass, and we're crushing our global economy, which actually has bigger implications than the health. I agree with you. This will ruin people's lives. Well, not only that, it will cause massive amounts of health and death i agree with result. that too i agree with that it's just it's just pushing it down further but what about these people that are dying and clogging up hospitals and the fact that could happen with the nhs that is a, a reality well i i i i've thought um, all along and it seems to be the case that the strain that is prevalent in, in um, italy is something of a a, a a stronger nature than than what's generally circulating and and also in iran that's something else just as an aside, we, we have a country targeted by America, targeted by Israel, Iran. And as this virus um, came out of China, of all the countries in all the world, Iran got its smack worse than anyone before it started to appear in um, in Italy, it was a little odd. And members uh, could have been a coincidence. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, after thirty years, Brian, uh, coincidences—it's uh, two o'clock. Something I have to be very, uh, very well uh, persuaded, because uh, coincidences don't turn out to be so; they turn out to be uh, made to happen. Anyway, uh, so not only did Iran have this, what again seems a stronger um, strain of it, but it was killing the region people within the regime at a very early stage. And, and you know, that's that's a coincidence. How many coincidences do you want? Um, and then you have another one, you see. I, I mentioned um, that one of the problem reaction solutions that I've said in the books over the years that they were going to use to justify this Hunger Games society was a pandemic. Um, you, you look at the movie Contagion, I think it was 2011. I watched it. It tells, it, it's basically coming out of China and stuff like that. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh, it's got Jude Law in there. And yeah. Paltrow. It's very interesting. 
very well made. Yeah, but you know, you know, I've talked to you in previous uh, chats about something called preemptive programming, where they 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 preempt something to put it into the subconscious mind, even the conscious mind, through Hollywood, and then suddenly it kind of happens for real. But I was sent a document um, from 2010 that was published by the Rockefeller Foundation. The Rockefeller Foundation obviously is a front for the Rockefeller family, which is fundamentally involved in this global cult. Um, in fact, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers were the creators of the World Health Organization, which is there to, to control health policy and uh, um, the um, perception of, 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 of health in its all its forms from a central point. You don't trust the WHO at all? Well, it's currently headed by a guy called Ted Ross from Ethiopia, who was a Politburo member in a Marxist government that's been running Ethiopia for a, a, a long time. Uh, he was health minister and was exposed three times for covering up cholera epidemics in Ethiopia, and now he's head of the World Health Organization telling us about the coronavirus. You, you, you will understand if I don't agree uh, uh, or, or even believe a word that comes out of his mouth. See, these, these, these organizations are not there to serve the public. They're there to serve this um, agenda. So who, who came out and said, oh, no, don't touch cash. You pass on the virus. Just, just use Tedros, same, same guy. Um, he's the one that's praised China for a wonderful job they did um, with the coronavirus and, 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 and what have you. Now, this Rockefeller Foundation document um, was about a scenario involving a flu pandemic. And it described what would happen that, that, that China would um, use... Uh, authoritarian draconian methods to 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 meet the challenge and then the west wouldn't basically start like that but then would 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 become the same and 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 this whole global lockdown was described in this document and then we moved to six weeks before the virus came to light um, in china and we had something called event 201 this was a simulation of a coronavirus um, pandemic, which involved the World Economic Forum, which has its meeting every year in Davos. This is the 1%, 1%. And involved the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, Bill Gates, the guy that wants to vaccinate the fricking world, and by the way, is funding the electronic tracking of people to, so that the authorities know if they've been vaccinated or not through an organization he funds called Gavi. And they ran this simulation called Event 201, in which they inserted, you know, scenario row or simulated news reports. And if you watch them, you can see it on the internet. It's just like the news reports thing in the media. And they had, they they were discussing, okay, you know, what 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 can we do? And and there was a whole area of this simulation where they're discussing how they control information. 
and they're saying, how do we deal with the anti-vaxxers? How do we um, make sure that the official narrative of, of the pandemic is the one that's dominating um, the internet and all these lines of communication and not what they call conspiracy theories, putting another, um, another point of view. And all these things that they talked about in this scenario have happened. We've had Facebook and Google saying that they're going to um, make sure that um, the, first of all, the World Health Organization uh, version gets free advertisements and they're going to suppress the, um, the uh, other opinion, what they call conspiracies and what have you, disinformation and fake news. Who decides if, if it is? They do. We've had YouTube this week say that uh, because they don't have the same number of staff, they're going to now um, have videos taken down purely by AI algorithms. And because of that, they say a lot more videos are going to be taken down, even those that don't um, uh, you know, break what they call community guidelines. So all th these things that were decided um, in this um, Gates World Economic Forum 1% simulation six weeks before uh, that they should happen or happen. And that was all public information about them doing that? Or you got the report about it? No, no, no. no I, I, read the, I, read, I read the actual document of the Rockefeller Foundation and its scenario, which is exactly what's played out. But um, the um, Event 201 simulation was filmed. You can see it on the internet there. And now they're running that playbook right now. Exactly the same. Another thing is that um, at the same time that that um, simulation was taking place, 10,000 military personnel and support staff were attending the World Military Games in Wuhan, China. So um, that is, I'm not, I, again, I'm not saying this happened, but what we have to put, if we're not going to be scammed, uh, and just believe the official narrative, we have to explore possibilities. And, and another possibility is that that World Military Games was a wonderful front to, um, to release some kind of, um, of, 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 of virus in, in, in that uh, same area. So all these things are um, something that have to be explored and put into the mix. Because what happens if you only believe the official version of everything is the official solution for the problem you believe in is going to take us further and further down the road to a society that would make George Orwell bloody wince. And all the things that I've said, this cult wants this cult is getting as a result of this coronavirus. Okay. What do we do about this situation in Italy? Do you think it's correct to lock everybody down? You know, uh, you know, if it is this bigger strain, do you think that is the intelligent solution to ease off on the, the hospitals? Because, you know, you agree people are dying most likely up there. What do we do in that situation? Is there a point where a big reaction is warranted? Well, because I know you care about people. You, you have to keep the reaction in proportion to the problem. So maybe more needs doing in 
places like or parts of Italy. But the point is, you've got to keep your eye on the rest of it and how you can um, you can see the world completely transformed and economically demolished by um, taking action now that will have phenomenal knock-on consequences. And so when you look in the, the global average and in most other countries, um, the number of people who are seriously affected by this against all those who are not, the way the whole economic system is being shut down is suicide. And, and what happens when it reaches a point where in its present state, it cannot continue, it cannot survive? A whole new economic system comes in, which is the one this cult wants. And I'll tell you another thing. I've been going on for years and years and years about the fact that the uh, idea of human, human cause climate change is a joke. It's a hoax. Um, and people say, well, why would they hoax climate change? You look at all the solutions to climate change. And again and again and again, they are exactly the same solutions as and consequences as with the coronavirus. What, what did Prince Charles say at Davos um, only a matter of, you know, two months or so ago? He said by 2030, this year that keeps coming up all over the place from all directions, we need a new global economic system, economic order to meet the challenge of climate change. What have I been writing for 30 years? This cult wants to transform the world economic order into this technocratic, AI-controlled tyranny. And both the coronavirus and the climate change hoax are providing the, the problem um, I would say in many ways the illusion of the problem, not least with human-caused climate change, to offer the solution of exactly what they want, which is a transformed, centrally controlled, AI-controlled world economic system, which will not have mom-and-pop businesses anymore. It won't have small businesses. Now, it wants rid of them. Now, the people in, in America, Trump and his advisors and the people, Boris Johnson and his advisors, are going to say that the virus, since it spreads exponentially, needs drastic action now. That's what they say. We have to shut everything down so it doesn't become, you know, a thousand X in the next 14 days, which can't happen with a virus, can't happen with something that grows exponentially. That's true, right? You just don't believe that's the case here. What, what, what I keep coming back to is the effect on the health of the overwhelming vast majority which have immune systems that just basically slap it aside. And it's this um, small group of elderly people who for reasons I've described have weakened immune systems. And those who have other health conditions 
and therefore weakened immune systems. They're the ones in danger. So if you focused everything on them, and if necessary, isolate them and, and focus your resources on them so no one goes hungry and no one is um, in need, but the rest of the population, 80% very mild symptoms or no symptoms, others with moderate symptoms, well, are we going to destroy the world economic system by saying that those people also have to isolate and not go to work? And for me, that's crazy. Focus on those who are in danger. Throw everything at them. Cocoon them if necessary. But cocoon them with, um, with fairness and with compassion and with total support. The rest of the population, I, I, I got exactly the same symptoms, I repeat, before Christmas. And I carried on working. Weren't pleasant for two or three days, coughed some stuff up and all that. But you get on with it. And this is happening to people all the time. I'll, I'll give you an analogy, Brian. Years ago, you might remember this, we used to have a thing called weather. And weather used to change and there used to be uh, storms and there used to be, you know, strong weather situations. And we used to call it weather. Now, every time that happens, as it's always happened, now it's climate change. We're all going to die. And what we have now is the coronavirus version of that. Everything is coronavirus. We don't even know if so many people have been uh, logged as having had it actually have it. When, when you're testing, like I said earlier, on symptoms, well, these symptoms are um, true of many different things. Uh, who, who says they, uh, this person's got it or this person hasn't got it? We don't know. The point is they're not dying from it. They're not even, most of them, being affected more than uh, very mild symptoms. So why are we locking them away and bringing down the world economic system and destroying uh, people's businesses, livelihoods, ability to pay the rent? Why are we doing that and not just focusing totally on those who could have a, 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 a serious problem because of their immune system deficiency? I don't know. And they're telling us. I'll tell you why. Because if they carried on and allowed that to happen, the world economic system would not be demolished. And the idea is to demolish it so you can replace it. Problem, reaction, solution. That's why. To continue watching the rest of the episode for free, visit our website, londonreal.tv, or click the link in the description below. Miriam, Miriam, yeah, Miriam, yeah. Please, please send me, please send me uh, uh, the link to this, please. Okay. Okay. Definitely, please do that. Okay. Uh, he's coming back, right? Not uh, done yet. No, that was it. That was it. Really? Mm hmm. Yeah, please send me right now, please.
Okay. It's excellent. Let me excellent. see. He always you. knows what he's talking about. You know, I feel I'm talking so half of I him. See it he, again. he writes books. He now there's a lecture for everyone. And I talk half of him. They are murdering me, but people like him. There are many of them in the U.S. They make money and they, they do these lectures. I cannot. I cannot. They murder me. There's no excuse for this. I, I respect him or the other ones. I have nothing against them. But when it comes to me, they go against me like none of them, their, their brain is being boiled like mine. None of them are losing their properties and uh, they are in, in the situation I'm living. They have their homes, they travel, they, they have their books, they, they are invited. Not only him, many of them. I want an answer for that. Hello? I'm yeah. Please send me the, the link. What? Please send me the link. Uh, don't forget. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah. to send it to everyone. Miriam, you should cut out the um, video now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. You're right. Wait. All right, let me. Yeah, I totally forgot. I don't think he's done yet. No, that was it. They, no, they took it a break. It was 45 minutes. Pardon me? It was 45 minutes. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. No, I'm... I, That's I the truth, right? What did he say? I'm sorry, I fell out. <laughs> I was tired. You gotta watch it back. He said a lot. Oh, you, you have to listen again. to it, Mary. Okay. You have to listen to it. It's not possible to say comprehensive, and it, you know, everything you say, we say is in there. You know, I'm astonished that they don't let me talk. And these people, they, they just are. They write books left and right. They, they go on lectures. They may, they do very well. They are well respected. They are invited to places like that. But when it comes to me, they want to pour my blood and drink it, and that's not even enough for them. I don't know why they should. I mean, come on. That's one of my questions. They don't let me write my book. And these yes. people, David Ike has written stuff that's mind-boggling. Mercy, do you believe in um, David Ike, what he's saying? Oh, of course. Yeah, right. I don't say I he's... watch a lot of his video too. Oh yeah, he he he's not a, he's not a nonsense. <laughs> he's not a nonsense. Yeah. He's been speaking up for thirty years. Yeah, he has taken a lot of risk. I don't say that it was easy for him. So so have I. They look what they are doing to me. They are having me murdered by. I can see
I don't even have yeah, a Yeah, that's what they're doing to me, too. That's what they're yeah. doing, horrible things. It's, uh, it's, it's being a woman, and it's being a woman from uh, from minority. I have seen, I, I, I have been to seminars for years and years, and right now, even I know, there are people here, they are writing books, that is way above what I talk, way. And they are making millions. I mean, one doctor, he's an emergency doctor. He, is a, he has been keeping his job. And I went to his seminar myself. 300 some dollars he charges. Not even, he did not even serve coffee. Not that he's bad. He, uh, it's unbelievable. And then he says he puts his line uh, and he's doing this, he's doing that for people. I want him to come and see what I am doing and what they do. Who to is me. that, doctor? And they said that from YouTube they have removed some some films and all. I've had footages there against this slavery when I ran for U.S. Congress. I'm sure they've re- removed all of that. I have to go back and check everything. I think the link, let me go see. I'm afraid to even go get one. This is terrible. From tonight, I'm even afraid to sleep. I have to put I have to I'm very afraid. I'm really afraid. Macy, I think what he just called your name. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.